Sunday's experts Always know what's best Always tell you what you should have done Monday's experts Always know what's cooking How the game was lost And how it could have been won Welcome, ladies and gentlemen. If you are having a slight brain aneurysm over my voice, I am not Jack Bannister. I am, in fact, Gordon Meredith, the other half, and probably the better-looking half of the People's Game podcast. Jack Bannister is obviously beside me, and I'll introduce him in a sec. Uh, we're shaking things up a little bit this week. Uh, our esteemed journalist, you can read his profile of Monique Conti in, in The Citizen. And you can also listen to his exclusive interview with... Martin Flanagan about a wink from the universe on our pod stream uh, was away this weekend. I don't know why. It's round one. It's pretty pretty early for a holiday, but apparently he was off getting kidnapped for university. Uh, you know that's that's what you do nowadays in a master's journalism. You go get kidnapped, and why not? But uh, welcome, Jack. Thanks, Gordo. Uh, it's very weird to be listening to you speak before me, but. Yeah, it's been an interesting weekend. I know absolutely nothing about what has happened over the course of the weekend. I didn't get kidnapped. However, we did have a late night evacuation on Friday because a militant group decided that they were going to attack our camp. So And then decided not to attack your camp. They didn't. No, they went to the camp and we weren't there because we'd evacuated. Uh, so we, well were, we were seven kilometres down the road uh, at the bottom of a giant hill. Um, so yeah, I've been working on a bit of wings. night vision and yeah, preparing for my impending career as a Warzone journalist, which is definitely not going to be the career, but it's it's been fun and I've added some strings. However, I have missed football. I had a slight uh, attack of anxiety on Thursday night because I didn't know if Richmond had won, and I thought, gee, what if we have actually lost here? That would be terrible. So um, maybe all that talk of this season not mattering that much to me is uh, not actually true. Yeah, when it rolls around, you kind of get sucked into the uh, the whirlpool that is football. Because you have missed a whole weekend of football, we have decided to approach this pod a slightly different way. And I've entitled it The Imagination Echo Chamber. Mm. So the idea behind here is I'm going to hit you up with each of the games from this week and you're going to return serve with your headline and uh, your prediction for the result of the game and then we'll hash out the actual talking points and compare and contrast. Where we end up. Okay, Friday... No, sorry, Thursday night. Correct. So that was the right day. Um, While Peggy O'Neill was... Flying the flag, I was lying under the stars near the Grampians looking at the saucepan. It was very, very, very therapeutic. Um, while I was there, I had a daydream. Well, I don't think this is a daydream because to me, this is the only conceivable way this game could have gone. Richmond have won by 100 points. Uh, Dusty, best on ground. Jack Graham's kicked five. But Jacob Townsend is the real story. I think he's probably kicked seven or eight and firmed for the Coleman medal. Okay, so oh, you're on the greenish, maybe? But you've missed the missed the part a couple of times. Okay, here we go. So the uh, the actual result for that game, I haven't heard this yet, so I'm sweating. Yeah, so you're sweating now. We did win. Oh, that's that's a tick. Of course, we bloody did. Yes, that's a massive relief. Exactly. <laughs> so seventeen nineteen one twenty one defeated Carlton fifteen five ninety five. Uh, Carlton led late in the fourth quarter, and then the wheels fell off the young team. Uh, yeah. Didn't have the legs. Sorry, say that again. So Carlton led into the fourth quarter. Sorry, what? Yes, they led. They were leading, actually. They kicked, like, I think, the first five goals. So we were down by about five goals, halfway through the first. Uh, we fought back. It was a bit of a tussle in the middle there. We were playing pretty average footy, we being Richmond. And then, uh, yeah, with about ten minutes to go, everyone kind of went, oh, we probably should try and win this game. That'd be good for the uh, defending premiers, not to lose the 16th. And now... Uh, 
yeah, we kicked out to a to a handy twenty six point lead mm. and victory. It's a bit disappointing, I would have thought. Yeah. So uh, lots of goals were kicked. Not many by the people that you mentioned. Uh, Kerno and Wright for Carlton kicked five each, and wow. five straight each. So good signs there for Carlton. What we said before in the uh, preseason was it was a case of too too much for too few, and that continued. They had kind of two good forwards, two good mids, two good backs, mm-hmm. and then you have to do another twelve players on the field. So that's only the reason why they lost. Uh, Rewalt four goals two. Good to see in Townsend. Four goals, two as well. So there was, uh, I think, trending on Twitter, I made mean, like number 10 worldwide for the top 10 uh, hashtags was uh, Townsend for Coleman. Well, I really do like that. Yeah. Yeah, that's straight out of my textbook. Not much to take out of that in terms of storylines. Everyone got through it pretty much unscathed. Uh, and yeah, we looked a bit sloppy and a bit tired, but, you know, we had to play an extra four weeks of footy and for good reason. So, uh that's yeah. tough, isn't it? It's tough yeah, being it is, defending tough, which reigning premiers and I guess it's a segue the world. into the, the next game because if it's tough to be the premier, it's probably tough to be the runner-up. Correct. Um, so my prediction for this was this is, an, is a hangover for the Crows. Uh, well, this is obviously working on the assumption that they lost. I don't know the result. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is a hangover for the Crows, but the night out was crap. Is well, probably how I'd put this. You have nailed that completely. So the actual headline from AAP was Don snatched thrilling AFL win over Crows. Now that that's sugarcoating it a lot, like frosty cereal, that with the one with the tiger on the front, <laughs> how it's just yeah, covered yeah, yeah, in sugar. That. Yep, yeah, 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 that's yeah, yeah. that's that's that, that's that for a headline. This was a pretty crap game of Friday night footy played by two teams with lots of errors and not much defence. That's my really long. As you probably have expected from the Dons, but maybe not from the Crows? Yeah, the Crows just look tired. Um, Okay, sorry, just just roll back. Yeah. How can you look tired in round one? Well, like we did. You know, you you haven't had as much preseason as the other teams had. Like True, I'll give you that. The Crows are leading by about 21 points at three-quarter time, and then uh, they ended up losing by 12. They got run over. They got run over in the last quarter by, by the Bombers. And everyone, all Bombers fans up and about, they're saying, oh, look, we beat, we beat last year's grand finalists. But my, my take on it is they just did the classic Don's thing, which is to beat up on a team when they had an off day. But I think the obvious headline is that Adelaide really missed Taylor Walker's leadership. Oh, obviously, yeah. I think Taylor Walker is as good a leader as uh, Steve Smith is. And we'll move, we'll move right along. This is the problem one. with going off for a weekend. Your national cricket team comes back and has managed to disgrace the whole country. But that's a different story, and I have managed to read some headlines. St Kilda Brisbane was next. Have you got that next? Uh, do you want to do that one? Or do you want to do women's grand final? Uh, chronological order. Well, you're the host, so really, this is up to you. Jeff. All right. Well, let's go women's. Let's go chronological order for the weekend. Okay. And uh, yes. Women's, what was, what was your predicted take on the women's game? Well, I will confess, because of the Conti feature... Uh, that I wrote that came out Saturday morning and she then was best on ground. So I know that the Bulldogs won and I know she was best on ground. I had the Bulldogs comfortably, um, although judging by the weather up in the Grampians, assuming it was pissing with rain, which means that the dogs probably got over the line in a slog. Yeah, it was an absolute slog. Uh, first off, shout-outs uh, to just general AFLW Twitter. There were a lot of players who weren't in the game, who went down to the game, and they were just letting the people know, the public know, that whilst it might look pretty dry on telly, it's actually... Pretty much flooded. So if the if the, uh, if the the quote was uh, if the girls are having a hard one picking up the pill, that's why because uh, you need you need flippers out here at the moment. 
people. So uh, shout out to that. It was uh, it was a slog though. Uh, twenty seven played twenty one. Uh, the Bulldogs didn't kick their first goal until the second half, but they kicked three in the Premiership quarter, and that was uh, the cliche one out there because then they won the game. So uh, you had the fortuitous timing of interviewing a uh, <laughs> best on ground and a grand finalist and she had an absolutely outstanding game if there's any players who want to get me to interview them before a big game yeah. I'm currently one from one exactly so. 100% strike rate um, yeah so she had a massive influence on the game Ellie Blackburn was the standing skipper and pretty much was equal, equal best on ground and a huge leadership presence and uh, the, the Lions had to run bridesmaid again for two years in a row and in similar similar games, different conditions, but yeah, two hard-fought slogs and the Lions didn't quite get across the line again. I feel like that's... I feel like the Dogs have been the best team all year across the distance. That was the general and, consensus. And so I'm well. kind of... And I don't, I'm not surprised by that. And I think Brisbane... For them to win it would have been a remarkable story given everything that they needed to have go right last week. And that's not to say... When it gets isolated down to one game, it's anyone's game. But I feel like that was the right result. And in the end, I probably didn't feel in the lead-up that KB being out would make a massive difference because they'd played so much footy without her anyway. Um, you know, So did she make a huge difference against Melbourne? Maybe she got them in there or was a significant part of that, but I don't think they necessarily needed her to win, and I think that showed. Yeah, and you mentioned Katie Brennan there, and that was the major talking point straight after the game. So I'll read from the top paragraph of the leading story. Western Bulldogs skipper Katie Brennan couldn't play in Saturday's thrilling six-point AFLW Grand Final win over the Brisbane Lions, but she at least got to hold the Premiership Cup up. Uh, and yes, it was in scenes reminiscent of the 2016 presentation. One major difference, though, and this is a lead into the people's question for the week here, and that is, should a suspended captain be invited onto stage to receive the Premiership Cup? So obviously the difference here is that in 2016, Bob Murphy was introduced onto the stage by Ethan Wood, after he had suffered a pretty much horrendous and almost career-ending injury and hadn't been a stalwart at that club for so many years, he was basically their, their cultural... It was their cultural leader, their spiritual leader, whatever the non-football nomenclature term you want to use for person driving the culture of the club. And, uh, yeah, that, that one seemed right. This one, because of all the contention, it's, it, it felt more political. So, obviously, there was a lot of contention around did she deserve to get suspended, plays in AFL M... Uh, yeah. Getting fined and sanctioned for two two cases like this, Trent Cotchin being a prime example, got to play in his grand final, KB didn't. But at the end of the day, what message does it show if we start inviting suspended players onto yeah, yeah. onto the podium to receive a trophy? How does that sit just ethically with us? Well, this is called doing a John Terry. Yeah, because John Terry invented this when Chelsea won the Champions League, and he popped up, and he wasn't just in a Guernsey; he was in like. Full kit, yeah. like boots and all. Yeah. So I know KB didn't do that. Um, she, had the, she had the guns in the knees. Yeah, but Bob did. Yeah, exactly. Now, I don't. Yeah. I don't have too much of a problem with that. Like, yeah. she, and Izzy Huntington and Good Honor was wearing a Guernsey with jeans. It's, that's, yeah, that's all fine. Should she have been up there? Well, I'm not really going to buy into whether she should have been suspended or not. I expected the AFL would have their cochin moment in the week. I like. I was surprised that she didn't play. Um, I didn't actually follow the logistics of it that closely because I was off gallivanting around the Grampians. Yeah. But um, I think this is like... To me, this is about what she... Like, the, the offence. It's like the same... And you have the same argument with Brownlow's. Like, I don't think it was malicious. I agree that the circumstances are vastly different. But I think if you asked people internal to the Bulldogs in their women's department 
they would argue that she is their Bob Murphy. And I don't necessarily feel like I can argue with that because I don't know what their internal culture is like. I think for them to have her there shows how significantly they view her and how significantly she's been in the journey to this point as a women's footballer. I don't think the the fact she got suspended for a second low-level offence really means that, like, okay, yeah, she's a suspended player, but, like, she hasn't gone out and king hit someone. Mm. So, yeah, I mean, I don't have a problem with it. I, people did say that it would be a Bob Murphy. I'm not sure it is a Bob Murphy moment. Like, let's, why do we have... I know it's obvious to compare the two, but, like, they're vastly different sets of circumstances. Katie Brennan is not Bob Murphy. She's unique and special for her own set of reasons, and that's completely relevant to the women's game. She wasn't injured. I don't... I think, I think it's a little bit of apples and oranges. Yeah. But yeah, like, I didn't mind it. I don't have a problem with it. Yeah, at the end of the day, who does it really offend? No one. Um, and again, the message there... It, yeah, you can look at you can look at the very small negative and be like, oh, well, you know, we're promoting a suspended player. Or you can look at the massive positive, and that's at a moment of personal triumph and elation for Ellie Blackburn. She decided to share this moment with people that brought her to this moment. Her captain and her leader for the last two years has been KB. She's been the driving force of her career as a young footballer. Not only, yeah, not only with the Bulldogs, but in all the exhibition games and her in her junior development. So for her, it's kind of like, I wouldn't be here without you, so you better get up here yeah. and accept this for me. And I think for Bob, Bob was like totally unique. Been playing for that club for, what was it, like 15 years nearly. Um, was their sole spiritual cultural barometer. Mm. One of the things that stood out to me was it wasn't just KB that was involved. The Bulldogs had all their injured girls, Huntington and others, um, Daria Bannister, etc., um, were in photos. Yeah. Like, they were in the premiership photo. They made a big effort to expand this beyond just, just the group yeah. that was on the field, and I think that went beyond KB. Yeah. And so my argument, and I would probably have been like raising an eyebrow if in a season where you had Huntington go down and you had Bannister go down, I'd be raising an eyebrow if you were only including Brennan in this, but that wasn't what they were doing. Yeah. And so and I'm always very much like, if you are in a position where in that situation, you want to share the limelight. Like, that's literally a decision for Ellie Blackburn and Paul Gross. It's mm. not a decision for anyone else, mm. to be honest. I don't know what the media on this has actually been. All, all vastly positive. It was, yeah, it was all, I suppose they had the advantage of it still slightly niche. So a lot of, a lot of the coverage was positive anyway. Like, it's, just, it's grand final day. Let's enjoy the grand final. And then on top of that, it was driven by Doggies and Doggies fans being like, isn't this amazing? Like, just, yeah, that's a, that's a great touching moment. So, fair, fair play. And at the end of the day, yeah, she didn't, hit, she didn't king hit someone. It wasn't a malicious attack where she deserve, deserves to be, you know, punished beyond that's, the actual yeah. punishment she received. She copped her due, she missed the game, and, uh, yeah, that's all there was to it. And, yeah, the only other little drive-by I will give you to the AFL is, of course, weather prediction models exist. You can usually tell when a cyclonic weather's about to happen and it's going to bucket down with... You know, centimetres of rain that will cover pitches making the game less than the spectacle it deserves to be. And uh, meanwhile, there was an, an empty Eddie Hayes Stadium for, you know, six hours in the morning that you could have played it there as a curtain raiser. Or straight after the Brisbane game, Brisbane St Kilda game, and uh, had a much better spectacle, a, a bigger crowd, a more engaged audience. A, a, yeah, a better thing to hang your hat on at the end of a what has been a contentious AFL-W 2.0 season for, for many reasons, and most of them the AFL's doing. But... uh it is what it is, I suppose, and we'll have to wait till next year to see if it improves. Yeah, because I did say we didn't record a pod the week before, 
But in the Melbourne game with the Bulldogs, it was very obvious that in the dying minute, the all the players from the back of the centre square were moved so that it was set up as a 5-6-5. Five, five. Mm. And that was kind of the exact situation when that rule came in that I brought into detention. Like, that situation is like, they have to be able to put numbers behind the ball there. Like, surely. Um, which was really, really interesting. And I don't know. I, th- I feel like this season has been overshadowed by a lot of external noise that was totally avoidable. And I think that's probably one of the biggest outtakes. Um, but the football has been brilliant. It's improved, as the, again, has improved as the season's gone on. The plot lines have been magnificent and I've thoroughly enjoyed it and I've thoroughly enjoyed, well, talking about it and writing about it. Yeah, definitely. All right, and that was probably our highlight from the Saturday because the next slate of games weren't that memorable. The one that the AFLW Grand Final got moved forward for was, of course, St Kilda versus Brisbane at Etihad Stadium. What was your uh, foreseenable take on this? Brisbane by a point. Hodge instrumental with a guitar solo to rival Hendrix. Okay, that's a that's a vague headline on that one. Hodge instrumental. Yeah. Guitar solo. Yeah. Big. Yeah. Bad puns. Yeah. Tell me the score. Okay. So <laughs> Brisbane were leading up until just before three quarter time. It was a they had they had been just as probably just as good in the Venice Commons as St Kilda, but turned the ball over lots. So a young team, lots of talent, led by Hodge. He had actually he was instrumental. He was he was the the sensible figure down back. Uh, and then the wheels fell off in the last quarter, and they got and they got done much similar to the mm. Essendon Adelaide game. Okay, where just a team ran out of legs in the fourth, and yeah, just gave it up. Interesting because I didn't think of this until now, but I watched the corresponding game last year. And Brisbane kicked six in a row. They were seven goals down, and then they kicked six in a row. And they have just adopted such an attacking brand that it's like hit or miss. They're the sort of team that can actually kick goals in a row, and if they get a run on, they're bloody dangerous. Mm. But like, if they if they miss kicks, it's just literally a goal against. And they've been taught to play in such an aggressive way, which I love. And I think it will result in them beating up on a couple of teams at some point this year, potentially, particularly the weaker teams. Like They could go out and smash someone by like 50 points, and then by... You know, the other end of that stick is that if they just kick badly, then they will get murdered at some point this year. Yeah. Well, uh, you've nailed that because they had uh, 13 scores from turnovers against. <laughs> six six were coast to coast. So they, they turned the ball over in their attacking 50 and were scored against in the same play. Oh, yuck. So, yeah. Yeah, 50% of their major mistakes resulted in, yeah, 12-point 12, 12 yeah. plays, essentially. That makes the coach in me cringe, yeah. essentially. And, it, and it, made, it made their coach cringe as well. Um, if they can ever learn to defend. They might be a decent team. Oh, and I have actually no doubt they will be. I think they're on a good path. It's just that... I mean, I was, I'm disappointed they didn't win, but that's because yeah. I kind of like them. And uh, all the talk from that game was actually about Brisbane and you know the potential they showed, but the, the lack of execution. Not much promise there that for St Kilda. Uh, again, the headline... Leading headline of that day was lackluster Saints survive scare against Lions, and that pretty much summed it up. Like, yeah, little little question for you. After the and this is obviously a small body of evidence, but who are you hotter on after the first round performances? Honourable losses from Brisbane and from Carlton. I'm hotter on Brisbane. Yeah, I think like Brisbane's that. yeah Brisbane's got a few more senior players. You got your, your Beams and Hodge yep. leading the way. Yeah, um, one at either end of the park, Zorko. and their yeah, and their juniors are just slightly more. Developed. Do you think their juniors are more elite? Probably as well. Yeah, I, I think they're uh, 
they're not pissing in any pools, but I think they've drawn from the top end of the pool, whereas I think Carlton seem to have a little bit more mid-range about some of their picks yeah. that are now playing, with, probably with the exception of Wietering, who's a bona fide top six player in Carlton's team anyway. Mm. Um, now and will only continue to get better. Um, then it rolled on to Adelaide Oval, the Power versus the Dockers. This was Saturday night, yeah? Uh, Saturday twilight. Woo-hoo! Radical. Uh, look, the, the Sunday advertiser must have had a headline about Port Adelaide being in premiership favouritism and Jack Watts being the messiah. That must have been it. And I reckon they won by about 90 points here. Ooh, I went, I went a bit hard there. Obviously listened to it. Not our, on Jack Watts. He kicked like 15, didn't he? Oh, obviously, yeah. He did in my fantasy land while yeah. I was looking at the stars. Yeah, well, definitely, definitely. Uh, uh, Port Adelaide's new recruits demolished Frio. And uh, in terms of the goals, Watts kicked three goals, three. Ah, Jacko, kick straight! Uh, he had he had, he had kicked three straight, and then he had three more opportunities to try and equal his career best and couldn't do it. Well, look, he needs to lift his game if he's going to kick 100 just on the law of averages. Correct. Uh, Bonner had an absolute... Can I just stop you there to Sorry. say how much I love Jack Watts? Oh, mate. Jack, he's like... He's my mecca. Oh, really? Yeah, what about Jack Watts? Just, he's just a very good footballer. He's just a very good footballer. You are... You buy heavily into his stocks. He's what a, what a very, about him? Because he, he's not a very consistent footballer. No, he is. He will be. You watch. He will be. You watch. He's been the this year. This years. year, he's going to have a week where he gets 40. He's going to have a week where he kicks 10. And he's going to have a week where he takes 25 in set marks. Wow. That's that. Put him in... That's a hot take. Yeah. It probably categories. won't be those numbers because I haven't given them any thought. But, yeah. My, my take's always been uh, he is Brennan Goddard reincarnated. I hope he doesn't hit pretzels. But, um, yeah, I wrote a piece three years ago when everyone was getting ready to drop him and send him back to the Magoos and keep him there forever. And I was like, no, you need to get this guy some more time. Utilities take longer to develop than most other players. They get thrown around in too many positions. It ruins their development. That's what happened to him. That's what happened to BJ. And now, actually, you track their careers and they're pretty much on the same development arc like the whole way through. So... BJ's a pretty good player, and, and so does Jack Watts. I don't think he's I don't think he's super duper elite, but he's he's definitely handy, and he's in the top echelon. I think he's elite, but that's a different matter. Paul from Collingwood. Well, I reckon the Hawks are back, and I reckon we've got some uh, music around Buckley, just because Robbo needs something to write about. And what better? And for me, the outtake is probably that Collingwood still can't kick it into their fifty effectively, and maybe the Hawks won by twenty three. So the Hawks won by thirty four. And the rest of it you're pretty much spot on with, except you missed one massive talking point. Tom Mitchell broke the AFL record. He didn't, did he? For uh, possessions. How many did he have? 54. 54. Yeah. Have we released him from hospital with leather poisoning yet? <laughs> that, that joke or is, is he that joke still is, in there? That joke is the twi- most overused Twitter joke of the weekend. Dad jokes, dad yeah. jokes. Thanks, Dean. Yeah, so he broke he, his own record, which he jointly held with Gary Ablett and Greg Williams. Uh, so, yeah. Ironically... That's a lot of pill. That's, it was. Is he going to be the first player to ever to get 60 in a game? Probably. But when Clarko was interviewed after the game, he was concerned about that. Okay, well, I agree with that. Because he was like, well, that means no one else really got the pill. Like, that's a lot of pill for one bloke to get. Well, yeah. I can see that how that buys and doesn't really tie in with Clarko's philosophy of not having... One linchpin who does everything, i.e. Buddy. Yes. So I can kind of see the... And then uh, in terms of other points, yes. The Collier Wobble bandwagon, the the hexing, the witch hunt has begun. Uh, yeah, Buckley's philosophy has become under more and more... 
Um, yeah, criticism. There's been concerns about the fact that Cox and Grundy play in the same team together and there's no okay. position for them. So one of the things I did see over the weekend on my limited internet, and I didn't see the score in this one, but I did see a meme that claimed that Mason Cox played the worst game of football in the history of football. That's unfair to, to Mr. Cox. Okay, next question, and this is far more relevant because I'm not really into Mason Cox bashing. Um... Did Collingwood have a notable change in their game plan? Did you see anything that gives you optimism about the Magpies, mainly for old mate Bristle? Uh, no, no. I didn't see much change, and that's that's been the major concern. It looked like the more of the same old, same old. Mm. Uh, and, yeah, you look at the, the key stats for, for Collingwood, it has always been inside 50 efficiency and shooting accuracy. So they went inside 50, 58 times compared to Hawthorne 60. So they were nearly even in the 50 insides. Yes, but they lost by 34 points. Why is that? Because they only managed 22 shots from that 58 entries, that being 38% efficiency. And then of that 38% efficiency, when they went inside 50, they only managed nine goals, so that was 41% shooting accuracy. <laughs> so they're, they're just the same old collie wobbles. So that's putrid. They really. get the ball in there, they do nothing with it, they turn around, they get scored against. And that's how Collingwood roll. Okay. Well, Gold Coast North was next. I had Gold Coast by 40, and I had uh, Does the Loser Go to Hobart? Well, it was Gold Coast by 16. Like it. I'm uh, doing pretty well on the tips this week. I don't think I've got one wrong to this point. 55 played 39. Oh, that's grim. Yes. Did it rain? It rained a lot. Good. Yeah, massive wind as well. So like, apparently it's, oh, we're in right. cyclone season up in, in Cairns where it was played. We probably would be, yeah. Uh, everyone kind of went, this is really dumb. Why don't we play this game that he had? Because why are we playing a game in cyclone season? Like, really? Why, this doesn't make much sense. So it bucketed down with rain. There was a hailing one-way wind. Uh, and then... Um, so this was a real old-fashioned make use of it while it's yours. This is Armageddon-type football. Uh, the ground was already flooded before they, they, before they even kicked <laughs> and off. And the problem is this is maybe the predicted bottom two for some people. Correct. And so you've given them not a lot of chance. <laughs> yeah. And my take on this game was it was a matchup so poor... That even Mother Nature didn't want to didn't want to let it happen. <laughs> all right. Fair so uh, yeah, that's all I have to say about this game because it was it was no good. I don't think anyone watched it. No one really wrote anything about it. No one really. No one really it. wrote anything about it. No one really took anything out of it. And uh, yeah, they'll they'll be uh, teams eighteen and so seventeen gonna, this year. I was gonna say that I was worried that we lost all our Gold Coast Gold Coast listeners, but. I don't know if anyone listens. Well, they're stuck, in, they're stuck in the storm, so... And they've got the com, day, com yeah. games to focus on. But okay. I want to keep North supporters, because I like North. Oh, fair enough. North Melbourne has nice cafes. I had a wonderful haircut in North Melbourne last week. Um, as you can see. The G- Sunday slate. Oh, so we start off GWS with the Bulldogs? Yes. Uh, well, I'm going to take this as a... This was an opening... Well, I haven't seen it, just to clarify. Yes. As we've been through several times, because I keep repeating myself. Um... <laughs> The Bulldogs went out on a Friday night and they still felt crap on the Sunday. They've had a two. This is a two-day hangover or a two-year hangover, um, and this game was confirmation. It was GWS by forty-three for me. Well, almost. What happened? GWS twenty goals thirteen, oh. one hundred and thirty-three. Oh no! Played the Western Bulldogs seven goals nine fifty-one. Oh, that's doomsday. So that is a oh, no. eighty-two point loss in round one. This is a fire alarm. And uh, that is the definite signs of a second-year hangover 
coming up. No, no, that's not a two day. That's they're still debilitated on the second day. <laughs> that's how they've gone. They've, they've got themselves into an alcoholic uh, coma, and they haven't quite woken up yet. I'm not sure. That's an A and E job. Yeah, it's it's, it's not great. Stomach, uh, stomach throw, pumping. Throw a second spanner into the works. Uh, Tommy Batore has redone his ACL, and will miss the rest of the year. God, that's terrible. So the the dogs are pretty cooked right now. That's that's awful because I was. Well, it's awful on two fronts because Liver's had so many injuries and I was also predicting him to have a huge year. Yeah. A huge year. And, and most were as well. Um, yeah, well, because he came back and had a massive summer of the good sort mm. for, for a footballer. Well, depending on a matter of opinion, but yeah, God. Yeah, so not a great one there. Plenty of uh, Giants, really Sean uh, Whitfield, absolutely dominated for the halfback. He was meant to play midfield this year. Because of their injuries early on, they said, no, nah, roll off the halfback flank. He absolutely dominated 34 possessions and, and was kicking something ludicrous. Uh, efficiency percentage up near the 90s for that many touches is ridiculous. Cameron kicked six. Toby Green kicked four and was probably best on ground. Deledio? Uh, Deledio did not... Uh, Deledio didn't feature. He had 18 touches, but mostly handballs. Yep. Running off, getting the free ball. Directing traffic, but uh, you know they came into this season with a few question marks, and that game, well, it ended up being against a, a team that wasn't really up for the fight. So it doesn't really prove much, but it proves that they are too good if you don't show up, and the dogs didn't show up. Interesting one. The MCG showcase game, probably the best game of the week in terms of evenly matched teams with plenty to play for early on in the season. Melbourne Geelong mm. predicted take. Well, I have two takes. Two take a flip flop take. No, well, there, was, there was two potential headlines, okay. depending on who won. Yep. The one was Melbourne really should have gone on that camp because their resilience let them down. Probably not a headline you're going to see. Uh, and then the Cats, who I'm not big on, uh, are in trouble, was the other one. Yeah. Uh, and I'm going to hedge my bets and say that it's the second one, yep. and that Melbourne got up here, and Melbourne got up by a point. So? And Ablett didn't do a lot. Okay. Because he's coming off injuries and hasn't played a lot of footy. So... I was there this one live. I was at a few games live this week, but this is fresh in my mind. It only happened hours ago. Ablett kicked a goal in probably the first 15 minutes of the game. There were 55,000 there. It sounded like the Richmond Grand Final. The crowd went absolutely bananas. They love, they love their little man, Ablett. Mm. Uh, they should really you be could say, skilled. <laughs> you could uh, say that Ablett had a quiet day. One goal one. Uh, he had uh, five marks. He laid a tackle. Oh, he had 39 touches when was leading, leading this puzzle getter for the whole game. <laughs> so Gaz wasn't quiet. <laughs> uh, Gaz was loud. Him and Selwood had 39 touches each. Add a danger into that, and they look very dangerous as the year goes on. Interesting. Different uh, to what I expected. Yes. Melbourne, another Melbourne, close loss. Melbourne, another close loss. They lost by three points. Hmm. Now, they had, uh, they had the last four scoring shots of the game. They were all behinds. Max Gorn took a mark 25 metres out directly in front. Shanked it. No, Maxie. No, uh, Max. No. Yes. No, Max. And, uh, yeah, so... Max. No, people's, Max. People's sub-question is, do we now expect our rucks to kick? Because Twitter obviously blew up. The crowd went into irate fits of frustration. But in the day, he is a ruckman, and ruckmen have never been out of kick. So when you have your ruckman with a set shot, with only about 40 seconds left in the clock... You're down by three points at that stage. Oh, so Gorn essentially has had a shot to win the game. He had a shot to win the game. If they, if he, yeah, if he kicks that goal, they've got about 30 seconds to lock it down and win. He's 25 out, directly in front, and he misses. You know what I would say? And as he was running in, he looked like he was going to miss. You know what I would say? What would you say? What I used to say about Duncan Kellaway. 
Handball, <laughs> handball, Maxi. <laughs> um, just palm that one off, tear your calf off the bone, go off. I, yeah, I don't know. Uh, to be fair, I'm kind of joking there because I feel like in that situation, Ruckman should still be able to kick because they have to be able to go forward now. Maybe Maxi is the exception because he's Maxi. But it's disappointing. I like Maxi one. Um, yeah. That's about all I've got, really. No, fair enough. They are all very good points. Now, a few things, a few alarm bells in Melbourne. Alarm bells. Now, you, was it their resilience? It was their resilience. Oh, no. So, uh, lots of my social media feedback loops were saying, well, they bloody well should have gone on that, that pre-season camp now, shouldn't they, they? God. So, they were... They, they out-tackled Geelong, but only because they turned the ball over relentlessly, and they did not mark up. So, as soon as Geelong got the ball at half-back flank, and they're rebounding out, there was just no, no pick-up, no responsibility... No awareness of what the players were doing around them. I, I'm in the middle of running a piece, and I said the defence was like a sieve. Just enough holes to let the important things through. Yeah, that's yeah. I like comparing defences to sieves. Because that's, that's exactly how their yeah. defence was. Well, uh, And also, when they went inside 50, they were hugely inefficient as well. So inside 50s for the day were 64 to 41, Melbourne's way. Oh, that's gross. Yes, that's that's a plus twenty three. And they lost. And they lost. So, so because of those sixty four inside fifties, they only managed twenty nine shots and kicked at forty five percent. Geelong went inside fifty forty one times for twenty seven shots, but halfway through the game, they went inside fifty twenty seven times for twenty three shots because of that civ like defence. Yeah, yeah. So very much APS style football, private school footy. Bruce free footy, cheese very board. soft, very yeah, cheese board footy. It was uh, my mum. My mum didn't want me to go on this camp. Did she wrote a note saying I didn't want to go? Oh no, they didn't turn up for round one. So does this tell you fight. more about Geelong or Melbourne? Well, way more about, Ge- way more about only, Melbourne. But Geelong only just got a line in that. Like, Correct. They were insipid by what you're describing, Melbourne. Like yeah. they'll have a serious review. Yeah. Um, they were soft. They weren't insipid. Like this, the skill level each way was great. And this is probably my my second talking point for this game was. There was at some stage there was like ten goals in a ten goals in a quarter. They'd both yeah. yeah, big. Pretty much. Big. Uh is that good footy though? Like do you want that? At, at one stage it felt like AFLX on an oval. Like there was very little defence in both teams. It which was surprising of, for the cats. Which is lots of just like chip pass, chip well, pass. Cats run, normally goal, are a pretty good pressure team. Ball it up, chip yeah. pass, chip pass, run goal, ball it up, chip pass, chip pass, run goal. For like a whole half. The second half got a bit more serious. The Cats thought they could win, so they locked in a bit more. But yeah. The jury's is, still out, I think, on is both these sides. Both these times. Well, I think the first. jury's still out on everyone because it is round one, ladies Correct. and gentlemen. Correct. Um, mm, any last takes on that one? Just that I don't. Like, that proves that high scoring footy isn't always good footy. But that's just my, my personal philosophy. Bit bruise free for Gordo. Bit bruise free for Gordo. Should have sent them on that preseason camp. And uh, last game to round out. Is round this finished one, or is it? Uh, it's still in progress. It's about 15 minutes to go. Well, just let me uh, click it onto the TV. Uh, but before I do that, I've got that I really hope West Coast fans enjoyed the elimination final because I'm not big on them this year. And I've got Sydney by 31. And Buddy has probably just done some Buddy things and he might still be doing them as I click the TV. All right, so we're midway through the fourth quarter and it's a bit of a fight on our hands. West Coast, 11 goals, 7, no, 73. Do you, you hear what I just said and what Buddy's just done? Yes. Sydney, 14 goals, 6, 90. But more importantly, Lance Franklin's kicked 8 goals. 
Well, I'm right then. And this is not... We have not set this up. But he has literally just kicked a goal like two seconds after I said that. With about 14 minutes left. He's had 14 disposals, eight goals, and he's on 156 ranking points. Now, I will cross-promote, on what are the odds, my gambling podcast about football, I told you to take up this bet at the start of the year. It was Buddy to kick 100, win the Coleman, win the Brownlow, the Norm Smith, and the Swans to win the Premiership. How much is that paying? Uh, it's one to three hundred and three thousand for a dollar. For a dollar, oh, you get three hundred and three thousand. Well, I'm going to put that on now, and I'll probably only get one for one hundred thousand. <laughs> you prick! Because I didn't listen to your podcast last week. Um, uh, so yeah, he's probably going to kick ten today, and he's well on the way to cracking the hundred. Well, statistically, he'll be there by around ten at the rate he's yes, going. Correct. So, um, wow. Okay, so that was well. This is still going, but I'm assuming Sydney. We'll squeeze over the line here with 13 minutes to play. We'll kind of keep an eye on that as we walk towards the end of our podcast. Correct. Jay Darling kicks a goal. Yes, so not much to talk about in this game. This looked a lot closer than many expected. Uh, But yes, it's very hard to travel west, and the fact that the Sydney is still leading at this late stage would suggest that they are going to be a very formidable team this year. Hmm. Um, Just in general, I know it's all about the West Coast time slot, but you know. East Coast, where most people live, so we really appreciate if this game was over before nine thirty on a Sunday night, so that we can talk about it on our podcast that will be recorded most Sunday evenings. But I'm sure the AFL does not give two you know what's about us and See, our little podcast. I quite like this fixture because it just elongates the round a little bit. Yeah. Like I can watch nine o'clock Sunday footy. I haven't watched it because I wanted to not know the score. Yeah, but um, yeah, I don't mind it. I I'd, I'd like it to start. Out. I'd like it to start at seven. You can. Yeah. Maybe even six. Straight after straight after the, the afternoon game, roll into more footy. Not uber bothered. Fair enough. Get up, get a cup of tea, or I'll make you one like I normally do. Correct. Happy days. Happy days. I think we've reached the uh, natural closure of our round one podcast. Our... We have. What's your forecast? Or, more importantly, what are we doing over the next weekend? What's our plan? What are you going to? What am I going to? What are we going to be talking about next week? Yes. So I think the idea going forward here is we won't do a game by game like we've done today. That was just the Imagination Echo Chamber special. Mainly because you were, like, yeah, was you were away. and bugger, I thought Buggerizing around. It'd yeah. be a good thought exercise. And actually, you know, round one looks actually not that hard to predict. You pretty much nailed most of the talking points I think there. I did, so yeah. Well done. I think we'll each choose... What does that tell you about the media? Sorry to just cut you off. Uh, All the players in the game. Are we getting? Is footy getting predictable? I think footy's always predictable. Well, good this, teams, this good spuds teams, was able to lie in the ground and staring at the stars and dream it up. So good teams are good and bad teams are bad. And most teams, if you're better, you win. Thanks. That's that's, that's a hot take. That's that's um, hot. yeah. So next week we're going to just sort of float between different games. So we may talk about some VAFA. We'll talk about some VFL. We'll talk about a little bit of AFL. We'll have. Some focus games. Uh, normally, it'll be the games that we get to. Yep. Um, next week, for example, I am off to Adelaide on Thursday night for the rematch, which I'm so, so stoked for. I'm in the SACA members. I'm going to be wearing every bit of premiership paraphernalia that I can get my hands on. And I'll be lucky to get out of the city of churches alive, hopefully after I've beaten the old man on the golf course. Um Sunday, I'm probably going to head down to Torquay to watch the opener in the VFL between Werribee and Geelong. Yep. Uh, hide some Easter eggs down there if any of the kids are down there and want some. And Monday, uh, Hawthorne-Geelong, traditional Easter Monday fixture. One of my favourites, this one. I'm really looking forward to it. So uh, we'll have all of that next week from me. And Definitely. I might, I might roll into that mix uh, some Collingwood versus GWS action at the MCG. 
Saturday afternoon at 4.35pm, mm-hmm. uh, as well as I'll be there for Geelong Hawthorne, and I'll mm-hmm. be watching all of it as well. Um, and I'll just have a look around the general traps to see what's going on in the more localised versions of footy and any good footy stories. Mm. All that to look forward to next week. Well, there's also, as always, will be a more elongated version of The People's Question. And are we going to do a book next week? Yeah, or? book club will be uh, returning. We didn't have uh, a book club this week, but we do have a special book club out on our pod stream. You can check out Jack's chat with Martin Flanagan about A Wink from the Universe. Quote from Martin, it uh, is the most romantic and purest football story of the modern era. Now, if you're a Richmond fan, you probably don't agree, but everyone else... Unfortunately, I agreed with probably it. Probably does. I think yeah. in the interview. I didn't find the uh, heart to protest. Well, that'll do, I think, for today. You hosted, so say goodbye. I will. We'll uh, tune in next week for more footy chat whilst we tune out to pay attention to the last 11 minutes of West Coast.